ball, but sometimes things in our life need to get rebounds, right? Like, look at my poor Bible, right? Um, I tried to get a new one, and this is like my friend. I couldn't imagine, like, giving it up. And so they tell me that I can get it rebound, right? And if I get it rebound, it'll have a new cover, but it'll have the same words on the inside. Hmm. So that means that rebound is not always a bad thing, right? Living life on the rebound is not always a bad story. And today in Ruth chapter 2, we're going to hear how that's not necessarily a bad story. Now, kids, while we were doing offering, they gave you a bowl, right? Parents, you're welcome that I didn't give the bowls out during praise and worship so it wasn't confetti around here, okay? What you have in front of you is a bowl with some strings and some beads. What I'd really like for you to do is, before the end of the sermon, to make two somethings, okay? You can make a keychain, you can make a bracelet, but string beads and make two separate items, okay? But I also want you to listen, because we're going to talk about Ruth chapter 2. There's a whole lot of different versions that you can read Ruth chapter 2 in. If reading the Bible is new to you, I would recommend the message because it kind of gives it in story form. In story form, Ruth chapter 2 starts out, and Ruth and Naomi, we talked last week, have moved into Bethlehem, and Ruth is realizing that they're going to have to find a way to live. And so she goes to an area field, and she decides that she's just going to pick up the extras that are left on the corner after they harvest. And if she picks he can take that home, and her and Naomi can cook with that, or they can sell any extra that they have, and that can be a way of life for them. It just so happens, right? There's not a lot of things in our life that just so happen, right? God is not a God of coincidences. We're going to find that out today. I feel like something bad is going on. What is... People moving and talking, and I'm like, what is going on? I'm not going to start over. So in Ruth chapter 2, we find her, and she's on the edge of the fields, and she's getting the extras that's left over, and she just so happens to be in the field of a man named Boaz. And when Boaz comes onto the scene and he checks his field for the day, the Bible says that his workers are excited that he's there. This is a bad sign. Okay. How often in your life are you excited when your boss shows up, right? He had to be a really kind man for his workers to be excited that he showed up. And so he, it, the Bible says he greets the workers with a beautiful greeting. And then as he's looking across the field, he sees all of these people who kind of look the same, his workers and the people who are allowed to be on the outside. And he sees this woman and he goes, oh, she doesn't belong, right? And he sees Ruth and he says, who is she? And they say, oh, remember, remember the Moabite woman? We talked last week about that she was from Moab. And he said, oh, 
And so the Bible says that he goes up to Ruth and he says, now, I want you to work in this field as long as you want. I want you to glean here as long as you want. That's what it's called when she picks up the extras that are on the edge. He said, as a matter of fact, tomorrow come back here too. Don't go to another field. And when my workers stop and eat lunch, you stop and eat lunch with them. And his kindness just continues to grow and get bigger and bigger. And Boaz then looks at Ruth and he says, I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. And he says some things about how he wants God to work in Ruth's life. Ruth chapter 2 ends with, Ruth has done this, and she has gone to his field every day for the wheat harvest and every day for the barley harvest. So Ruth chapter 2 is at least a year to a year and a half long. Every day she has gone and found provision in this field. So Ruth chapter 2, in essence, tells us that in the midst of our rebound story, we can trust God. Now, I had some people tell me that I don't have enough slides, so I'm trying really hard to add some slides in. But you know me, I don't preach with notes, so you're going to have to give me a minute, okay? So, for the next little bit, we're going to talk about how this chapter shows us that even in the middle of a rebound story, a bounce-back story, a story that's tattered on the outside, that we can trust God. Because you see, God's redemption is deeper than our current story. So many times in life we get focused on where we are right now, in the moment that we're in right now, in the situations that are all around us right now, and very infrequently do we sit and ponder just how deep our story goes. Ruth 2, 1 and 2 says, It just so happens that Naomi had a relative by marriage, a man prominent and rich, connected with Elimelech's family. If you'll remember, Elimelech is, that's a crazy name, right? That is Ruth's father-in-law. This man's name was Boab. Boab. Boaz. And one day, Ruth the Moabite, the foreigner, said to Naomi. You're like, Rachel, that's a really weird verse to pick. I want to tell you something. Did you know that Boaz was the son of Rahab? Now, the kids are in here today, so I can't tell you the story of Rahab. So I hope that piques your interest. The next slide will tell you how you can read about the story of Rahab. Enough of the story of Rahab for you to know that she lived in Jericho. Do you remember the story of Jericho? Jericho was the last city that kept the people who had escaped Egypt from entering into the promised land. And God told Joshua, he was the leader of the people then, that if he marched around the city seven times, the wall would fall and they wouldn't even have to fight for the city. And this was for them to live in the land that God had promised them for years and years and years. And one woman who has a terrible reputation is saved in that city. And she becomes the mother of Boaz who owns the field where Ruth 
is. Ruth's story just got deeper. Her redemption just got deeper. I think sometimes in our life we forget that God is weaving a story not just to redeem us, but to redeem an entire people. God is working to reach into your family. He's working to reach into where you've been. And if you look back, you can probably see that he's already been there. This verse ends and says, one day Ruth the Moabite. Do you know why it's called Moab? It was named after the son of Lot. And I don't know if you know about Lot, but I'm going to tell you where you can find out about him. Lot is the one who escaped from Sodom and Gomorrah. And you can take pictures of all these slides. I don't expect you to know all these stories. I'm dropping all these hints so you can Google them later, okay? Sometimes we hear about a lady in the Bible who looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. That's Lot's wife. That's this story. And Lot had a son, and his name was Moab. And he was a rebel, and he revolted. He started his own country. And Ruth was from Moab. And Ruth gets pulled into a redemption story. I don't care what your past looks like. I don't care what your people did. I don't care what you've drug in here today. God is working to redeem your story. There are only about four women who are named in the lineage of Jesus when we get all the way over into Matthew. Ruth is one of them. She wasn't even one of the chosen people. Rahab is one of them, and her past is kind of terrible. But yet each time God is saying, I redeem all of that. I work in all of that. My redemption goes deeper than any story you could ever imagine. God is working to redeem your story. The next thing I want you to remember about Ruth chapter 2 is God's provision is greater than our current story. God's provision is greater than our current story. So many times in life we kind of look around and we go, oh, this is kind of where I am. I hope I have enough. Oh, we'll eat ramen for dinner, right? Um, Provision is bigger than that, right? Provision is that God takes care of the needs that you need. God works in your life in such a way that you understand all that is going on and that he's weaving a story that gives you peace. Let's look at Ruth. I forgot to change the slide. It's Ruth 2, 2 and 4. Ruth says to Naomi, I'm going to go work and I'm going to glean among the sheaves following after some harvesters who will treat me kindly. Naomi said, go ahead, dear daughter. And so she set out and went and started gleaning in a field. Ruth is new to Bethlehem. Ruth doesn't really know the traditions and the customs. But do you remember in Ruth chapter 1, she looked at Naomi and she said, your God is my God. Your people are my people. 
so somehow she has sat down and she has learned what Naomi's people know. She has learned what they hold dear. She's learned the rules. Do you know that a lot of the Old Testament is rules? How many have ever gotten lost in the book of Leviticus? Right? You're like, oh, Peyton has been lost in the book of Leviticus. I love that. It's a whole lot of rules, right? Do you know that in Leviticus 19.9, we're at the bottom of Mount Sinai, which is the, where the people stop as they leave Egypt. Remember, they were trapped, and they're going to be free, and they're going to go to the promised land, and we know that they've traveled 40 years in all, but one year in, God gives them a list of rules. One year in, when they're in the middle of a desert, one year in, 38 years before they see the promised land, God gives them a rule that says, now when you harvest, make sure that you leave the outer edges for those who need to glean in your community. Make sure that you don't harvest the outer edges so that people can come and pick from your field and the people in your community can be provided for because I am a God of provision. Leviticus 19.9. That's a whole lot of years before Ruth. And yet Ruth can walk into a redemption story. She can walk into a provision story because she knows the rules. And the rules say, if I go to this field, I'm going to find what I need just on the edges. If somewhere in your life today you are going, God, I don't even know what to do next. I don't know the next choice to make. I don't know where to go next. Can I tell you that I promise God is writing a story for your provision. I wish that I was the kind of person that could look at you and go, oh, I know your story. Here it is. Right? Wouldn't that be great? But Ruth had to do some research to know what her story of provision looked like, right? She had to camp out in the Word. She had to spend some time getting to know the God of Naomi. There's one thing I know. If you camp out with God, if you spend some time in his word, it doesn't have to be Leviticus. That's a little heavy. If you spend some time in his word, your provision story will unfold. It probably won't look anything like you thought it did. It probably will not work out the way that you thought it should. It may have chapters in it that you don't even understand. But I guarantee you he will give you a peace and an understanding, and he will give you the next step. All Ruth knew was she needed to go to the field. The rest of her story happens after she got there. So many times in life we go, okay, God, I need to know the plan. <laughs> okay, God, tell me the plan. And God goes, oh, if I told you the plan, you'd jump ship right now. How about you just make it to tomorrow? Right? God's timing is beyond our current story. 
God's timing is beyond our current story. Ruth 2, 11 and 12 says, Boaz answered her. He's talking to Ruth. And he says, oh, I know you. I've heard all about you. May God reward you well for what you've done. And with a generous bonus besides from God to whom you've come seeking protection under his wing. The boss shows up. There's a stranger and a foreigner in his field. Someone who doesn't necessarily belong in his story. And he walks up to her and he says, May God reward you well. This is a prayer, guys. He's saying, bless you. May God work in your story. May it come out with an amazing ending. Because I see that you seek protection under God's wing. Now, guys, I hate to give away the story. But in a couple weeks, we're going to find out that Boaz was the answer to his own prayer. He looks at Ruth and he says, may God bless you and bring you provision. May you find rest under his wing. And God goes, oh, I like that prayer. Watch this. How many times in our life do we look at situations that are falling apart? Do we look at people in our community? Do we look at things that we don't necessarily know what to do with and we go, oh, God, be with them. Oh, God, work. Oh, may God do a beautiful thing. And God goes, if that's what you're going to pray, get your elbows ready. We got work to do. Because sometimes God wants to know if we're bold enough to pray it, are we bold enough to walk it out? Are we bold enough to walk into the hurting story? Are we bold enough to walk into the story that's falling apart and go, okay, God, here I am. Okay, God, here I am. And God goes, just be me. Just reflect me. That's all Boaz did. He didn't walk into the story and go, oh, watch this. I'm going to write this story. I'm going to marry this lady, and we're going to live a happy life. And He was kind. And he showed up, and he followed the plan. What would happen if when we were fully encamped in all that God was, if when we understood that he was writing a redemption story for us and the people that we touch, if we walk into the hard parts of not only our story but somebody else's story and we said, God, be in this, and God goes, okay, you be. You be. And he unfolds a plan that we don't necessarily understand. Right? Pastor David's going to preach next week. I love it now that I'm kind of in charge, right? I can give him all the hard ones, right? So Pastor David's going to preach on chapter 3 next week. And chapter 3 is a really weird plan. I'm just going to tell you. And sometimes God unfolds. 
unfolds a really weird plan in front of us, and we go, no, not doing that. And God goes, oh, but, but you said, you prayed. We're in this together. Are we willing to be an active solution to the prayers that we pray over our home, our community, our friends, our church, our life? Are you willing? It's a crazy story, right? I don't always like to tell personal stories, and I tried all week not to tell this one. Because I don't ever want it to look like, oh, look, Pastor Rachel, she does it right. Dude, if they give me the mic, I'm going to tell you when I did it right. I'm not going to tell you when I did it wrong. And there's a whole lot of parts in this story where I did it wrong. I probably bucked a little bit. But when I saw this story unfold before me, I was like, wow. I see it. I see that God is redeeming deeper than I ever imagined. That God is providing provision. And we can pull that slide up that has the three things you're supposed to remember. That God was writing a story that I didn't even understand. That God was showing up in my story time and time again. I've told this story to a few people, but about 11 years ago, I was part of a prayer team. I went to a breakout session at a district event and there was these young couple there and they were planning a church in a part of town that had had church before but they didn't have church anymore and God had called them to go into this town and start this church again and I sat in their breakout and I thought oh that's great I'm living on my farm milking my goats gathering eggs I said, I can pray for people. That's easy. I can pray. So I signed up to be a part of a prayer team, and I would periodically get emails about the specifics to pray for this church that God was planting. I would pray. One day I got an email that said, community that we're planning this church in is really diverse and we would love for our church to reflect our community would you pray that this church has diversity and I thought well that's easy prayer to pray okay because remember I'm living on a farm in northwest Houston and everybody I knew looked like me I could pray for diversity that's not hard So over here, I'm praying this prayer. God, bring diversity to this church plant. God, work as these leaders want you to work. And for some reason, I thought, like, this was one thing I was doing, and this was another thing I was doing. But do you realize that God steps way back here, and he goes, oh, look. 
right? And over here, God began to do something in my husband and I's heart. We lived in this big double-wide trailer on a couple acres. And God said, you know, you have the means. I homeschooled my kids. You've got the time. Why don't you foster? And I thought, okay. We'd fostered a little bit before, and so I was like, sure. I can foster. I can foster some kids. I can love them for a little bit and turn them back, right? Knowing I'm not going to do it forever. So we started this process, and you guys know that part of my story. That story ended with me having three amazing additional sons. Now, remember over here, I'm praying for this church plant 10 years ago that it would be diverse. And over here, God's going, watch this, Rachel. I'm going to move in the heart of you and your husband, and I'm going to watch it expand, and I'm going to allow it to take on three more people. And guess what? They're not going to look like you. So I saw this family that I loved become so diverse, and we started to learn to embrace that and what it meant and over here I'm still praying for this church and it's launches and amazing things are happening and I go to district events and I see the pastors and they're telling me about all this great stuff and I'm over here strung out on diapers and formula and right and I watch this church transition and I watched a new pastor come in. He's crazy. He has an amazing sense of humor, and he loves the community like nobody I've ever seen. And this side over here, God says, Rachel, what if, what if you can do more? And I go, dude, I got six kids. I think I've kind of done enough for you, God. And he's like, oh, no, Watch. You remember that thing that I planted in your heart? Remember that part of you that I made that you've been hiding for all this time because you thought they could never let a woman do that? Watch what happens if I stir this a little bit. So while I'm still strung out on diapers and formula and three kids potty training again, and I'm so much older this time, right? I'm like, oh. I start this process and I start to minister in a church. And then let me tell you, God is a really cool God. Because my first ministry position was like the cream of the crop, right? It was at the biggest church. I had a really good paycheck. had really good people. And they're like, Pastor Rachel, be the community life pastor. Here, do what you want. So I asked God for direction, and God says, Rachel, I think you need to invest in the marriages in your church. And I said, okay. God, who should I get? Who should I get to come and talk about the marriages in our church? And remember I had these friends on Facebook, and they were all the time being all sexy on Facebook, right? And I'm like, ooh, them. I should get Freddie and Shannon to come, right? And all of a sudden, these two stories start to get closer and closer, and I still don't see it, guys. I still don't see it. 
And I meet Freddie, and he brings a picture and to show of his church and his congregation, of his staff. And he says, you know, I'm really looking to expand my staff. I'm really looking to bring on somebody who can kind of play second chair and take on all the things that are just a little bit more than I can take on right now. He goes, but I just really need that person to be diverse. And he said, do you know anybody like that? And I said, have you seen my family? And he goes, you got kids? And I go, dude, we've been friends on Facebook for like five years. You don't know I got six kids? He goes, no. I go, I see what a good friend you are. I show him a picture of my family. And he goes, oh. He says, you should come to Beaumont. I told a few friends, I said, we're going to drive to Beaumont on Saturday. And they said, what are you going to the armpit of Texas for? Right? We've been over here a few times. Can I tell you that when I drove over I-10 and I passed what's the Big Bear Diner now, God goes, you're home. And I went, I don't live here. He goes, I already put your heart here. We drove onto the church parking lot, and at this point, I've got tiny little toddlers, right? This does not look like a church. We didn't have the banners on the front at that point. And we pull in to the church parking lot. My oldest of the second set goes, oh, look, it's our church. That's what I said. You know the rest of that story, right? My family and I moved here, and oh my gosh, how amazing was it to work with Freddie? And he always said he was going to die in Beaumont, right? So I'm like, well, I'm going to die in Beaumont too. And then he goes, hey, Rachel, I need to talk to you about something. And I said, dude, you may be going somewhere, but... But right now, I ain't going anywhere. And you guys asked me to step in and take on this role in this season. And I don't know what the future holds. And this is not one of those weird, like, prophetic sermons. I just want you to see where we've made it to right here. Because it wasn't until our 10th birthday party, and I'm sitting at a table about right where Tyler is. And Lynn Lee is talking about the past, and she's telling the story of North Point, and she's telling about the hundred people who were praying for that church, and she's talking about them praying for a diverse church, and God brought me to my knees because I went, oh, oh, God wanted me to be part of the answer. God wanted me to be part of the answer. That took 10 years. God is a God we can trust. In the midst of any situation. He's a God of provision. A God of redemption. And I forgot the other one, Dale. Timing. Thank you, T. He's a God of timing. 
We live in an instant society. We want an instant answer. We want the plan right now. If God had told me the 10-year plan on the day that I started praying for diversity at North Point Community Church, I would have jumped ship. But man, am I so glad that I walked that story out. And that has nothing to do with me. That is all God. Because if I gave the mic to each and every one of you, if you've lived a story like that with God, you have one too. You have one where you're sitting in a story one day and you watch it all collide and you go, oh, I see what you were doing, God. I get it. Man, that was hard. Man, I didn't understand that. But I get it. So I don't know where you are in your story. The band's going to come and sing. I just want you to spend the next few minutes reflecting on what you're supposed to do with Ruth chapter 2. What does it look like for you to trust God? What prayers are you praying that he's asking you to be a part of? What provision do you need to make sure that you understand by camping out in his word and who he is? And what redemption do you need to trust that God is writing a story to not only redeem you, but all the people that you're connected to? I don't know that this calls for a great big response, but the altars are always here if you want to use them. I want you to take these few minutes and reflect on what you're supposed to take home out of this story. And then I'll come back and pray over us. Oh, God. 
so glad that you were here to worship with us today. Thank you so much for your patience with the kids. They are really doing great. They are learning so much from us. And this won't last forever, right? But sometimes we just need to have seasons where we go, okay, we just all need to be together for a minute, right? Guys, I ask you to make two separate things, right? One of your things that you made, I want you to take and keep with you to remind you that you can always trust God. The other one that you made, I want you to find somebody in your life that you can give it to. And when you give it to them, I want you to say, I'm praying for you. And remind them that God is providing for them and that you are praying for them and that God is working in that story. So one is for you and one is to give away in kindness. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you. We thank you that in the middle of a story that happened a long, 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 long time ago, you can teach us about how to live life right now. God, may we take with us exactly what you spoke into our heart. And may we never be the same because we encountered you today in a fresh way. We love you so much. Amen. Have a great week.